Give the Lord a round of applause. Well, good morning, Word of Life. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Good morning, Word of Life. It is great to see all of you here today. It really means a lot to have you with us. I want to make sure that everyone uh, would feel welcomed at Word of Life. We, we trust that for some of you, this may be your very first time visiting Word of Life, and we are really appreciative of that, that you would come and visit Word of Life. And we want to let you know, for those of you who may be new to Word of Life, we have no uh, expectations from you whatsoever. We want you to come and be a part of our service and, and enjoy whatever may be happening and maybe even learn some different things. And maybe for some of us who are here today, maybe there's a a thought process that you're not too sure about God, you're not too sure about the church, you're not too sure about the Bible, and I understand that, and I'm okay with that. We're okay with that here at Word of Life. So we just want you to feel welcome. We want you to know that we really appreciate the fact that you're with us here at Word of Life. Come on, give me an amen, everybody. Well... Today, um, I'm really excited about what's going to be taking place here at Word of Life, and I want to begin by asking you a question. My question is this, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? What are some of the things that you think of all the time? We'll dig into that. I just want to let everybody know that this is going to be a very special Sunday for me today. We'll talk more about that in just a a couple of minutes as well, well, more than a couple of minutes. You know me and my preaching. But anyhow, this is a very, very special Sunday, and I'm excited about it. Now, we believe here at Word of Life that God, has, God is a dream maker. Our God is a dream maker, and our God is a, a dream giver for every single one of us as believers. Um, God's plan for each and every one of us is that God would, would want us to know that he has a dream for each and every one of our lives, and it will be fulfilled, will be fulfilled at every level if you are a follower of Jesus. You need to give your life to him. I've had many dreams in my nearly 50 years of following, of following Jesus, and I, I want to just take a little uh, stop here for just a moment and say this to you, that... Uh, 2021 for me is 50 year anniversary of following Jesus because you may not know this. You may not know this. But on July, on July 1st, 1991, I gave my life to Jesus. I was born again in a Roman Catholic church when, a, uh, when the charismatic Catholic renewal was taking place. 16 years old, I gave my life to Jesus, and He forever has changed my life. And I am just so grateful for what He has done. But let me get back to the message. <clears throat> I've had many dreams in my nearly 50 years of, of ministry, 50 years of, of, of life. And uh, in fact, I, I had an audacious dream uh, the very, from the very beginning on June 1st, 1992. And June 1st, 1992 was my very first day here as pastor of the church. And that audacious dream had caused us to take some risk that most churches would not even do. Most churches would never even consider the risk that we took. Back in 1997, a few years as we had started the church, we began to see clearer what it is that God was calling us to do. So we started the plan, and we, we started the plan with some huge risk. We had about 300 members, and, uh, and uh, we, we decided that we felt that God was speaking to us about the idea. We voted to build a $2.5 million addition to this 1,000 seat, with, with, to a one, with a 1,000 seat uh, capacity. 
and uh, to have some offices. So it was a big deal to do this, this uh, big adventure that we had. And that audacious dream had been in, the, in my heart and in my soul for, uh, for the reason of seeing scores and scores and scores of people, young and old alike, who would come into a life-changing, life-giving relationship with God himself that would radically change the, the, that person's life from the inside out. And God himself would reach would reach the uh, the believer and the non-believer alike, and uh, and it, and uh, and they would they would know that God is there and that God loves them and God has a plan for each of their lives and that God wants them to be living in freedom of their broken past and there would they would discover God's purpose and design <clears throat> design for their lives and then they would make a, a difference in the lives of others. Why would all of that happen? Why would God want all of that happen? Well, the reason is, is because God is because people are always on the mind of Jesus. People are always on the mind of Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What are you thinking about? What do you think about? Everywhere that Jesus went, everything that Jesus did, Jesus had people. Jesus had people, others on his mind. And I think I can prove that to you in the scriptures here. Go with me in your, in your scriptures. It's going to be projected if you don't have any of the devices to work with us on. We find here in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, and it says these words, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like a sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. This was, this, this was said of Jesus often pertaining to people, the fact of people that he was reaching. Jesus loved people. Jesus loved people. He'd come out and he would see a huge crowd and he would be moved with compassion each and every time that it would take place. So fast forward, fast forward from uh, this thing, uh, this part here where Jesus is seeing this group of people, fast forward now to the absolute worst day of his life when he was on the cross. While Jesus was on the cross, Jesus had people on his mind even then had people on his mind even then, and who he had at this point was his mother. Yeah, he had his mother on, on his mind. Think about that with me just for a moment. Jesus has, has his mother's welfare on his mind. So Jesus would tell John, while Jesus is on the cross, he would tell John, he would say, take care of my mother. That's right. That's exactly what Jesus said. And I want you to understand a little bit more than that. And that is, in the last 18 hours, Jesus has been, he has been arrested, he has been beaten, he has been bruised to one inch of his life. And he's nailed to a cross. The pain and the agony alone should, should cause him to be delusion, delusional about everything that was taking place. But, but um, Jesus had his mother on his mind. And it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus, has, Jesus is on the cross and there's two criminals, one on either side of Jesus. And one of the two criminals begin to mock Jesus. And the other criminal rebukes that first criminal for doing that. Go with me to, to Luke chapter 23, verse 32, verse 39, beginning there. One of the criminals who, who uh, hung there hurled insults at him to Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence uh, and we are, we are punished justly for what, let me say it again, we are punished justly for we are getting our deeds deserved. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you are in your kingdom. 
remember me. You talk about a last-minute deathbed conversion. This is probably the best story in all of the Bible. Jesus had, Jesus had that, that criminal on his mind when he was there. Jesus had that criminal while he was on that cross, had him on his mind. And then he says, Jesus says to that guy, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, I want to share something with you that is important with all of that, and it's this. I want you to know, according to this story that we just talked about, good people don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And I just want you to think about that. I've said it before in years gone by, but I'm telling you again. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people are the ones who go to heaven. And again, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Let me go even a little bit deeper. Jesus had, Jesus had people on his mind uh, who actually nailed him to the cross. Actually, they nailed him to the cross. And Jesus would pray this very famous prayer that most of us have heard about. And he says these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. They know not what they're doing. And that's in Luke chapter 30, 23, excuse me. So people were always on the mind of Jesus. He, they were always, people were always on the mind of Jesus. So why? Why would that be the case? Why would, why would that matter? There's three reasons, and I'll tell you that. Number one, the first reason is, is to the, the heart of the Father. It's the heart of the Father. Jesus knew the heart of the Father better, better than any other ever has. Jesus knew the heart of the Father, and he wanted to bless and honor his Father, and he would reach people that his heavenly Father loved. God is all about people. Let me make sure I'm doing this right. I am. God is all about people. Everywhere, everywhere that Jesus went, he was always trying to reach people, no matter, no matter who they were. Everywhere that Jesus went, he would focus on people, so much so, so much so that even times when, when Jesus thought that the religious people of the day, the religious people of the day were, were taking, uh, were, were placing a higher value on something rather than on someone, Jesus would pretty much get up in the faces of those Pharisees and he would begin to tell them and correct them so that they would, would not do that kind of thing. Also, sometimes his disciples would, would cop a, a similar attitude. One time, Jesus was denied passage in, in and through Samaria because he was a Jew. And his disciples asked Jesus this particular question. I think it's funny, but it's not. Um, but he said, uh, they said to, to Jesus, they said, Jesus, do you, uh, yo, Jesus, do you, do you want us to call down fire on them? Because they wouldn't let them come through, that passage through there. Do you want us to call fire down on them? And Jesus, in essence, he said, he said you don't know the Father's heart with, with, uh, very well, do you? You don't know the Father's heart very well, do you? Because that's not at all what the Father's heart is like. Because it's always about people. Jesus in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, actually there are three stories that are parables in this. A parable, by the way, is a, is a make-up story with a spiritual truth in it. So it's a story of three lost things, a lost coin, lost sheep, and a lost son. And here is what preceded that story in Luke chapter 15. This is incredible to me. Luke chapter 15. Verses 1 and 2, tax collectors, listen to this. Tax collectors and others, other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Did you hear that? Tax collectors and others, other notorious sinners came to listen to Jesus preach. The worst of the worst. They wanted to hear him. But listen a little bit further. 
And this made the Pharisees, which are religious people, this made the Pharisees and teachers of, of, of uh, religious law complain that he was associating himself with sinful people and was even eating with them. My God, that's terrible. But that's what they were thinking. That's what they were receiving from the Pharisees. The religious leaders are, are just simply being the, the religious leaders that they were, and all the while Jesus is, is hanging with people, with sinners. Okay, yeah, sinners. He wasn't just with people, but he was with the worst of the worst of sinners. He was with them as well. Not only did Jesus love hanging with sinners, but the sinners themselves loved to hang with Jesus. They wanted to be around him. We have right here in the scripture where they came together and wanted to be with him. Not only did Jesus love hanging with sinners, but the sinners wanted to hang with him. Jesus tells us, Jesus tells the uh, religious hypocrites, with all your learning, you don't have a clue. All of what you study, all of what you, you work at, you really don't have a clue. Your strict religion, what Jesus is saying, is not my Father's heart. He says, I'm here. Jesus says, I'm the second person of the Trinity. And I, and I am here, and I am meeting with people, and I am talking with people, and I'm trying to help people. The kingdom of God is not all about rules and regulations. The, the Father's kingdom is all about people. It's all about people, and God is all about people himself, all people he cared for. So Jesus tells them a parable, again, a parable, talking about this lost coin, this lost sheep, and this lost son, and how everybody, how everybody would rejoice when they would find what, what they were looking for. And then he says it like this in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, it's not in your notes, but in Luke chapter 15, um, verse 7, he says, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that that all of heaven rejoices over one person who repents. How much does God really care about people who are far from God? According to the word of God, Jesus says, I'm telling you that all of heaven, can you imagine that? All of heaven rejoices over one person, the scripture says. One person that would repent and get right with God. One person. What else is cool what else is cool about that is, is that, that God is not just about all people, but Jesus is about, the, uh, Jesus is about every person, even including you and me, including everybody. Jesus knows his Father, and he knows that his Father loves everybody and always has people on his mind. The second reason that Jesus had people on his mind everywhere that he went was the reality of eternity. The reality of eternity Jesus knew the reality of eternity better than anyone ever. Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says these words. He says, and they, and the they are sinners, and they will go out into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, this is a tough word. This is tough because a lot of us don't even believe that there is a devil. Let me make it clear to you. There's some 32% of, of American Christians, Christians do not believe that there's a devil. So we find here within this, this story right here a pretty uh, difficult thing to deal with as far as I'm concerned because the Bible is loaded with a lot of scriptures and it's crystal clear that there is, there is much said about heaven and hell and eternal life and judgment. And listen, it's not God's desire at all that people would go to hell. That's not what he wants. He wants people to go to heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that God is not wanting any to perish but that they would come to repentance. 
That's what God wants. God is not out to look to cause people to go to hell. People choose that themselves. It's their decision to do that if that's what they would want. So, then Jesus is in, is in another story. Let me say it again. Jesus in another story about eternity um, that's not a parable. So he tells a real story of a real man who is actually in hell. We're hearing a story, we're reading a story right now about a man who was actually in hell. It's about a certain rich man and a certain beggar. Both are a true story. It was something that really happened. This is, this is a real thing. It's not fictitious. It's a real thing. And in fact, the beggar dies. The beggar dies and is buried and is carried, to, carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man dies and is buried, and he ends up in torment the Bible tells us. He ends up in hell is where he ends up. And it's a powerful, moving story that is true, absolutely true. The rich man cried out to Abraham in Luke chapter 16. Listen to this, verse 24. Luke chapter 16, verse 24. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue. I am anguished. I'm in anguish in, this, in these flames. Listen to what Abraham says. Abraham res- responds back, and he says to him, he's, but Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything that you wanted. God's not against us having things at all. And what he was saying to this, this uh, young man at this particular time was, he was just saying to them, you had, you had everything but me. You had everything that you wanted. You didn't care about God. You didn't care about the things of God. You'd, it didn't matter to you. So let me read on. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that, that during your lifetime, you had everything that you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is being comforted, and you are in your anguish. You are in your anguish. The rich man says, I'm in agony with the fires. I'm in absolute agony with that. It's eerie. It's weird that the Bible would be so clear talking about this, but there's a reason behind it. It's a reality. Because again, I say to you that there are 42% of American Christians in the United States, they don't believe there's a hell. And I want to say to you as a loving pastor as I can, for those of you who are here in this building, or for those of you who are online, You may be one of those who don't believe that there's a hell. And I'm here to tell you, as honestly as I can, just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not real. And we find it over and over and over and over again in the word of God. This is what the scriptures declare to each and every one of us. Jesus would would walk around more than anyone. Jesus would walk around more than anyone, any of the other any other religious person. Talking about an impending eternal destination and judgment for every person that would be ever born. And by the way, that involves you and me. It involves your family and friends and whoever they may be, your coworkers and neighbors, whoever. Whoever they may be in your life. Jesus talked a lot about eternity without God. He told us some amazing stories, which one is that I talked about today. Jesus would also talk a lot about eternity with God and what it would be like. And I'm here to tell every one of you that are here, every one of you that are online today, the choice is yours. You have to decide. You have to choose that. 
Nearly 50 years ago, I had to make that decision when God was right there before me. And I did. And it was the best decision of my life. It was the best decision of my life to say yes to Jesus. Jesus talked a lot about eternity, talked a lot about eternity with God. And again, the choice is yours. And if you, if you and I really believe all that Jesus said about that, then it's my opinion and it's my thought that you sh- that should cause you to live differently and talk differently to different people that you know and that you love and work with wherever, whoever they may be, especially to those that you know so well and that you love so very much. It took 37 years. It took 37 years. I've shared this before, but it took 37 years of praying, of talking, of lo- uh, loving and serving and being the best son-in-law I could possibly be to my father-in-law. It was after a major heart attack. It was after a major heart attack for Pa. We used to call him Pa. Um, And the doctors didn't think that he was going to make it. He needed open-heart surgery. And uh, he had to have a double bypass. And he's just had a major heart attack. And the doctors are thinking that it's not going to happen. I can't tell you the time. I'm thinking it's 3, 4 o'clock in the morning is when Marianne called me and asked me to come right to the hospital because it's so critical. So Claude, who was my executive pastor back then, he preached the message. It was hilarious because he was reading my notes, and nobody can follow my notes. Nobody. I can't even follow my notes today. I got a lot of stuff on my mind, so I can't even follow my notes today. So Claude was doing that while I was with my father, my wife and my daughter-in-law and my my, uh, father-in-law. And I'm so glad to tell you, after so many times, he said no. Don't talk to me about God. And I was scared to death, man. He's not going to make it. So I ended up getting down close to my father-in-law, got close to his ears, couldn't hear well, and I pretty loudly said, you need Jesus. Would you just pray with me to receive Jesus? And he did. And I had the privilege of leading my father-in-law to Jesus. 37 years. Don't you ever give up praying for your family and friends to come to know the Christ that would save our soul. The third reason that Jesus had people on his mind everywhere that he went was God uses people to reach people. God God uses people to reach people. God knows the potential of people. So I want you to hang with me these last couple of minutes as I begin to move toward my close of this message today. Go with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse five. And it says these words, when Jesus came When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come, uh, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your house today. I love verse six. I love this. This guy's a criminal. This guy, he's a dirtbag. Nobody likes this guy. And it says here in verse six, it says, Zacchaeus quickly, quickly came down and took Jesus to to his house in great excitement and joy. Can you imagine that? Can you see that in your mind? Jesus says, come on, I want to come to your house. I want to eat with you today. I'm supposed to be with you today, Zacchaeus. And all of a sudden, this guy gets all excited. And he he comes with excitement and joy. But the people, the Pharisees, they they were displeased that he had gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. I, grumbled. I don't know about you. I think it was the best thing that Jesus could ever do. And I hope you're not afraid of talking with people who are far from God. Is that, those are exactly the people that we need 
to reach ourselves. We need to be the ones that would do that. So I just want to stop here and say something to you. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to God who they were. It didn't matter to Jesus who they were. It just didn't matter to him. Do you realize how uh, radically inclusive Jesus was to all people? Do you understand that? You just start studying the word of God. You start hearing some of the stories. And even still what's going on today, the people's lives that are being changed by the fullness of God. I'm telling you, it is incredible how radically inclusive Jesus was to all people. Men, women, young and old alike. The, 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 the good and the bad, the rich and the poor, the well-known, the well-known and the forgotten, hurting, the hurting people, children, children who were raised from the dead uh, that Jesus had done with Jairus and his daughter. Also, Jesus did one with a widow, raised another child, wasn't a child, it was a young adult, raised him uh, from the dead as well and gave back to his mother, gave him back to his mother. Jesus was inclusive. He was radically inclusive to the black, to the white, to the brown, to the different races, the different tribes and and nations and ethnicities. Jesus included everyone and anyone, no matter the need, no matter the issue. Everywhere that Jesus went, everything that Jesus did, he had people on his mind. He had people on his mind. You and I need to be the very same way, church. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter where the person comes from. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. Or the level of of education. It doesn't matter that they've been through this, what they've been through in this life. If they're free, if they're free of addictions or still in the struggle of it all. To God, it just doesn't matter. God loves them. all people. He loves them unconditionally. And of course, God wants us all to be free of of any and all addictions and bondages. And we need to see people the way that Jesus would see people. Because no matter what, this is a person that Jesus went to the cross for. Whoever it is that you may have in your mind, whoever it is you may be thinking about, In Luke chapter 19, verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood there before the Lord and said, I give my, I give my, I give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated any, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now that's a miracle. That's a miracle. I will give them back four times as much. Who else? Who else could but Jesus could, could have seen the generosity in a, in a greedy person like Zacchaeus? Everyone saw Zacchaeus and thought he was nothing but a low life, thought he was just nothing but greedy, but Jesus saw in him that he was generous. Zechariah gave half of his goods to the poor and paid the schemes that he had. He paid them back fourfold, the Bible says. Jesus saw the potential. He saw the potential. You see, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that if this this person can meet me, 
he will go from greedy to generous in three, two, one seconds. It can happen just like that with God. Who else? Who else could have seen purity in a prostitute like Jesus saw with Mary Magdalene? Who else could see boldness in a bumbling disciple? Not only like Randy Chiz right now, but like what he dealt with with Peter. Who else could be possibly, who, who else could possibly see the potential in you? Who could see that potential in you as a great father or a great mother or a wonderful business owner or someone who is uh, an entrepreneur or a musician or a teacher or a carpenter? Who else, what potential would God have for you as a pastor or a missionary? Should you ever be one? Should you be one? Here's what Jesus thinks when he looks at you and when he looks at me. Jesus knows, this is incredible as I close. Jesus knows that all things are possible. This is Jesus now. All things are possible. With that person in my power. That's what Jesus said. All things are possible with that person and my power. Because with God, all things are possible. There is no limit to what God and that particular person could do. If, if they would just believe, for those of you who are here today, online, wherever, all that they require, all that God requires in the very beginning, just it requires that you would just take a step and believe. If you would believe, if you would believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes. It doesn't say go to church. It doesn't say give money. It doesn't say all of the stuff that we think it's supposed to say, but it doesn't say that. We be, it begins by believing. And that's all that Jesus is asking for. Because he knows the potential of that individual, what God can do in and through that person's life. I'm going to ask you if you would please bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything that would cause you to be concerned. But I want to give you an opportunity today. Believe me, believe me, believe me. I know that this has been a bumbling message and I'm embarrassed and I'm frustrated, but there's a lot going on. But today, maybe God has whispered something to you in the midst of this service from its beginning to end that there really is a God who loves you, that there really is a God who has a plan for each and every person on this planet if they would just dare to believe, if they would take that step. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. Listen, my friend, whether you're here online or, or in person, I'm not asking you to be a member of Word of Life Church. I'm not asking that. I'm asking you to be a believer in Jesus, asking you to take that step toward Him. More than likely, you're someone who has walked away from God at one time or another. I've done that a few times in my life. I've given up on God. I've walked out. But God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has brought me back 10,000 times. No exaggeration, I'm, I don't think. So maybe today you're someone who has walked away from God, and it's time for you to come back. It's time for you to be with, with Jesus again. Because you know, my friend, you know that He's the one who gives life. 
So I'm going to pray a simple prayer, very simple prayer. This is how I close off my messages typically. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And if you're here today and you want to recommit your life to the Lord or you're one who want to give your life to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And when we're done with this, you can hit that, that tag there that would say that you've committed your life to Jesus today. We want to know if you've done that or not. So keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just so I don't let anybody get embarrassed by anything that would be said or done. But I'm going to ask you to pray this very simple prayer with me. You can whisper it. You can say it in your mind. I just want you to be talking to God however you do that. But pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, say it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, today I I give you my life. Today I want you to become the Lord and leader of my life. Come on, tell them that. I want you to be the leader of my life. So Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And help me to live for you from this day forward, I pray. In Jesus' name. That I pray in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're one who maybe made that decision, I want to encourage you. um, If you've done that, two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to tell somebody that you gave your life to Jesus today. And the second thing that I want you to do is that I want you to, if you're coming to Word of Life Church and there's a lot of other great churches around, I would want to encourage you to get into a church that has next steps for you so you, in your walk with God, that you will continue to move forward. So we're going to conclude our service as it is right now, and we have some information that we want to share with you today. So if you will just be patient, we're ready to make that happen. This is my absolutely beautiful wife. Good morning. 47 years. And I'm still smiling. But if you look really close, my hair's turned a different color over these 47 years. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. This morning, my husband and I to you that the season for us to Senior Pastor Word of Life Church is coming to a close and that a new season is about to spring forth for us and it's a season called retirement. 29 years ago, Pastor and I knew that we knew that we knew that we knew that we were called here to Word of Life to be your pastors. And I stand before you, we stand before you today saying, We know that we know that we know that he has finally released us into retirement. We could not have asked for a more loving, supportive body of believers to be entrusted to us all these years for us to love and lead and care for. Well, I'm going to admit to you that it's um, beyond my imagination as your pastor that... um, it's a very strange thought to think that I'm not gonna, we're not going to come back to Word of Life Church in just a couple of months. You know, it's, it's weird to us to even think those thoughts. It's difficult. Uh, one of the hard things for me to think of is that if you don't know, your pastor gets up at 5 a.m. every morning to read the Word at home, and then he gets in his vehicle and comes here. And even if it was over there on the old side years ago, this platform is where he prays. 
I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with him without the platform, but uh, I may be shipping, shipping him back to you. There are countless things that we will remember forever and ever. And one of the things that we want you to know is that Randy and I were one of the first, with the other, we were nine, one of the first nine families of the founding families here at Word of Life, which back then it was Baldwinsville Assembly of God, and we called it the bag. Um, and as cool as it would be to tell you the hundreds and hundreds of stories that we both have and that many of you have as well, nothing takes the place of the people we have served with over all these years. All the people who have come and gone over the many years for whatever the reasons of their departure. And then there are the many, of, many people who have been with us for many, many years now. And you know who you are. You know who you are. And please know. Please know as your pastor. That I would be the first to say to you, we couldn't have done it without you. Without your help, your service, your prayers, and even your financial sacrifices that you've given over the years. You are the ones who have, who have helped build this church that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. For Marianne and I, we know that our job is finished here. Our job is finished here as your pastors of Word of Life. I'm going to continue for you. I wrote all of this, and i got to say this one thing. And he colors, too. If you know us well, he, he colors. Everything I talk about, I color. There's no rhyme or reason, trust me. Go ahead. Everybody has wanted to know, and I'm still not going to tell you. It's my secret why I color everything. But anyhow... Let me finish this. For Mac and I, we want you to know that our job is finished. If I, did I jump that? Yeah. I, Let me jump in and just say, never ever have we said that it's a Randy and Marianne Chiz Church. It's not. It never has been. It's all about you. Randy has been working diligently with the elders over the last year and a half to make his departure a smooth one for all. And we've been taking the necessary steps needed to ensure the transition of your new pastor. So to all of you with us here today at Word of Life, whether you're online or you're right sitting here in the worship center this morning, can you say this? We say a great big grateful thank, thank you and we love you. Our elders, our trustees, our pastoral staff, every one of our ministry leaders, every single person that works on our volunteer uh, life team. We thank every single one of you because without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. And I mean that as a church. This church would not be where it is today without all of you. <clears throat> Word of life, Marianne and I love you so very much. And we are so grateful to be your pastors these 29 years. When, <clears throat> when, we challenge you. We no, challenge I, you. Can I challenge him? Yes. Because I'm going to do this in closing, and he doesn't ever do one closing. So um, we challenge you to commit yourself to prayer for the transition process and the leading of the Lord for your new pastor. We fervently and passionately desire what is best for Word of Life as we pass the torch 
Our desire is to see this church continue to be the lighthouse for those who are hurting and lost and go on to yet greater works yes. for the glory of the Lord. God bless you all. God, God bless you, Lord of life. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. Good morning, Word of Life. I've been I've been doing it wrong. There's no color here. So. <laughs> Before we get started here, Pastor, you, you may think it was a bumbling message, but um, what we heard is what you've been about for all these years. It's all about people, so thank you. Okay, guys, um, about 18 months ago, Pastor sat down with the elders and told us that he and Marianne sensed that it was almost time for them to retire. He indicated they weren't exactly sure when but requested that we begin working with him on a transition plan. And as you've heard today, now that they know that God has released them into retirement, uh, June 1st um, will, will be their, their last day with us as senior pastor. Um, and it's time now to consider and celebrate God's faithfulness over these 29 years of their service. We know Pastor and Marianne's announcement today may come as a surprise to you and, and uh, probably provokes wide-ranging emotions uh, and questions about what's next for the church and what the future holds. We're confident, though, that God is not surprised. Um, and we want to assure you that we've been working a transition plan that we carefully and prayerfully put in place well over a year ago. Today's announcement is just part of that plan. There'll be more details to follow soon, but for today we want to limit, limit it to three important uh, pieces of information. First, Pastor Randy and Marianne will stay on through June 1st, which will mark their 29th anniversary here. Uh, by the way, let me break from the script here. So tomorrow is 41 years. Tomorrow is 41 years at the, uh, f of the first service, right? So, so we're talking about 29 years. <laughs> But it's been 41 years um, with some limited time in uh, um, West Point, but it's been 41 years of uh, service to this community. Second point, sometime to be determined between now and June 1st, we will hold a membership vote for the next lead pastor of Word of Life, and the elders are confidently and without reservation nominating Pastor Tom and Megan Wood. And point three, uh, sometime to be determined between now and June 1st, we will hold a special service to celebrate all that God has done through Pastor Randy and Mary Ann's leadership here. For today, though, in recognition of the magnitude of the decision Pastor 
and Marianne are sharing. Please hold questions on these matters for another time. Uh, we are committed to getting answers to all these questions as soon as it's practi practical. Today, though, is a day to begin to celebrate and commemorate the legacy that Pastor Marianne and Randy have left for each of us individually, for our church, and for our community through their years of faithful service. We have four months to continue to let them know how much they've meant to us, but can we start again now to stand with me and applaud uh, and thank them for, for their service. Thank you, Word of Life. At least you're not cheering that I'm leaving. <laughs> So I'm going to ask uh, James to close in prayer here in a minute. Um, you know, with the COVID protocols, we've been rushing everyone out of here. We'd like to keep the protocols in place. We're going to make a small exception, though, if you'd like to come up later, keeping social distancing and mask in place to, um, to just congratulate Pastor Marianne. They'd probably love to hear from you. So if you'd like to do that, we can uh, do that later. So uh, James is going to pray and, uh, pray, and then we'll dismiss you guys. If you would reach out your hand towards Pastor Marianne. Father God, we are so grateful. We are grateful for your unending goodness and faithfulness. We thank you so much for the gift that Pastor and Marianne have been to not only to this church, but to the countless of lives that they've influenced and that they've led into a personal relationship with you. Father, we are so grateful for the calling on their lives that they had come here to, to Baldensville, New York, to lead this church for your glory, never looking for personal glory, but always pointing everything to you in everything that they did. Father, we're confident that in this moment in their dash, this moment in time for them, that you are calling them to move on the next steps and moving forward. And that in doing that, Father, you are saying to them for this point, well done, my good and faithful servants. Father, they are so incredibly loved and words can't express what they mean to each of us and what they mean to this church and to this community. Father, we ask that you bless them abundantly as they take these next steps. We ask these things in the precious name and the only name that matters, your son Jesus. Amen. Okay, so the, uh, the ushers will dismiss from the back, but like we said, um, if you'd like to congratulate Pastor and Marianne, you're welcome to do that. And also, if you'd like to share um, a story of how Pastor Randy and Marianne have made a difference in your life, you can go to the website, and you'll be able to start to do that. Um, and with that, have a great week. Thank you, everybody.